Hey, everybody, this is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior awesome women who have been through absolute caca give you advice on how to get to the other side of yours. Today is a very special day. I am talking to a badass warrior rock star named Melanie Klein. Melanie, thank you so much for being with me and a hearty welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. And first of all, can I say your intro to this podcast is everything. I'm so about that. It is so amazing. And I'm really happy to be here because just watching you and your work over the time that I've known you and what you've been doing, not only for yourself, but for women in your life and women outside of your immediate circle is just so incredibly inspiring that it is just truly a pleasure to be here and be able to offer hopefully a couple nuggets of insight for everyone who's listening, which hopefully is a lot of people because this is a super cool podcast. Oh my gosh, Melanie, thank you so much. I am flattered and I consider you a mentor, a mentor and a role model. So to hear that from you, I'm like, I'm, I'm all a Twitter. Thank you. Oh, I love so. that. That's a great way to start. It's <laughs> a great way to start. Everybody's like petting each other. It's yes, like, as we should. I love it. And you are so all about women and I can't wait to unleash that on the epic comeback world. So please, Melanie, I'm going to give you the honor of introducing yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what keeps you super busy during the day, because I know you're a busy lady. <laughs> I am. Thank you. So I'm Melanie Klein. I live in Santa Monica, California. I primarily grew up in Los Angeles, although I sort of had a bicultural existence. Also spent three months out of every year in Germany and lived there till I was six which I think had a big influence on becoming a sociologist, already having kind of a vantage point in different cultures. Um, I have been teaching women's studies and sociology for 18 years. I have been a speaker and an author in feminist and social justice spaces, mindfulness spaces, because I have really blended my background in yoga and meditation with really critical consciousness, consciousness raising as a result of examining systems of structure and systems and structures of oppression and privilege. So sort of combine those in terms of what keeps me busy is with clients all day, clients, students, uh, writing. Another book just went into the publisher, which is on embodied resilience, which is out next summer. And so I would say really the spoke of my day and the spoke of my work is raising consciousness and moving into action. Love all of that. Follow this woman. What does she not do? <laughs> Yes. Thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, such good stuff. So Melanie, as you know, this is a podcast by and for women who have been through absolute caca. Some of the women I have on here, I mean, I know you would believe it, but I don't believe it, like have gone through what they call trilogies of trauma. Just something awful. Hi, me too. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Yeah. I mean, it's really, yeah. So if you, I would love for you to summarize for us. What is some of the stuff, the caca that you have gone through and what would you, looking back on what you've gone through, consider to be the worst of it? Uh, it's a big question. I will say that in many ways, I have this standard experience of being uh, a woman in this culture in terms of my story is not necessarily anything new or extraordinary, which is why it's so important because it actually represents a pattern norm it represents statistical sort of, you know, the bell curve. And so I would say everything from low self-esteem to um, not having a sense of worthiness to being in a psychologically and emotionally abusive relationship to disordered eating, compulsive exercise, 
to experiencing rape, sexual harassment. I mean, we can go on, but um, yeah, that's sort of, you know, all of it. And uh, I would say that that for me started when I was a very young girl, starting to feel like um, I didn't look right. I didn't act right. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't fit enough. I wasn't blank enough, if you will. That started around the age of 10. Um, my first uh, really uh, psychologically and emotionally abusive relationship was started at the age of 14, which lasted on and off until I was 23. And while I think I have even more recent caca moments, I think some of them are too fresh and I'll share them down the road. And I will share this one because I feel like it really set the foundation of all of my work and was, um, it happened at such a young age that it created a framework for me okay. of really feeling uh, not enough, not feeling capable. I felt the best thing that I could ever be was someone's wife and volunteer somewhere. And it took me, I would say, um, at least 15 years to unravel that. And I'm still unraveling how that shows up in relationships and my sense of self. And yet there was this wonderful part of me that very much persevered. And she was the version of me, I think, for a long time, I made out to be bad or wrong because some of the choices that my younger self made were certainly not um, in the highest integrity. They weren't uh, the ones that I would say were the most conscious. Yet, in looking back, I'm like, there was something so deeply rooted inside of me that got me to this point. And I'm so incredibly grateful that whatever that driving engine was, that she kept coming back to it and was willing to do the work to come out the other side in terms of being resilient. And the next time she met similar things, she did them at a higher frequency with more consciousness, with more love. And that has sort of continued that each time I've encountered the caca, I've been a little more graceful in the caca, if you will, dancing in the caca versus, you know, like completely consumed by. <laughs> Dancing in the caca. Oh my yes. gosh, beautiful metaphor. Well, so, so many metaphors going on here. Um, so my next question has to do with coming out on the other side. And sometimes it doesn't feel like an appropriate or fully true and sufficient type of language to be using because you mentioned earlier unraveling, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, trauma is a kind of, and, and repeated trauma, it's a kind of experience that it isn't like you go through it you have this very neat and tidy period of recovery, healing. You come out on that other side and you don't think about it again. I mean, it's something that leaves, you know, neurological imprints yep. and psychic imprints and imprints on your body as well. So, so you mentioned the unraveling and kind of going on a journey as well as having a, a self within you that enabled you to get to sort of the other side. So I'm going to ask you the question anyway, but, yeah. it's, but it's, it's a question that's a little problematic. So the question is, it really takes some real strength and resilience and warrior energy to get to the other side of any of those traumatic experiences that you talked about. What I'd love to know is given where you sit right now, what's the best part about being on the other side to the extent that you are? I'm going to go a little rogue, which is I'm going to address a couple other things first that I think are important. One, I love that you sort of acknowledge that warrior essence. Um, when I was in graduate school, I actually wrote a poem called Four Snapshots, and each one was a, a year. It was like a Polaroid picture of me in a, a different year. In the end, I talked about how being a warrior at one point meant I was literally slashing and burning everything in my path just to get through because I was in such a triggered, traumatic state. 
and how then the final snapshot in that poem, which at that time was in my late 20s, was me being held in deep and sacred community. And so I share that and one to point out that we all have that essence and that spirit within us. It isn't something that only certain people have and other people don't. We yes. all have that and we have the ability to access it. And for me, the way I was able to access it was um, really what is the cornerstone of my work today. One was walking into an incredibly radical sociology of women's class and starting to understand that my life was not separate from the lives of other women. It might be different, it might be unique. Yet there were statistics around being a woman within a white supremacist, heteronormative, right, ableist, sexist culture, what that looked like. And that, again, my experiences actually were incredibly normative, um, sadly speaking, right? And so that was a liberating force for me, is being armed with that information that I was not inherently wrong, but there was something truly effed up about the system that yes. created these statistics. So that was one thing. The other thing when you talk about these psychic, um, you know, and even somatic imprints that we have is starting to go into mindfulness and going into yoga and starting to become more than a brain, okay, an analytical sort of machine, but starting to go back into my body and learning what it meant to accept and be in it and how to meet uh, adversity with a sort of new sort of response system in place. Um, and then being in very, very sacred conscious communities, like those elements really allowed me to access that deeply inside of me and continue to nurture that. So it wasn't just something that sprung up every once in a while, but it actually grew. Yeah. And with the flowers like blossomed fully into kind of the woman I am today. And the best part of being on the other side, even though, you know, I continue to have new experience is, is to be in the place that I really feel that whatever comes my way, I'm like, I fucking got this shit, all right? And I was really trying not to curse on your podcast, but there well, was another totally way of saying it. It's okay. okay. Yeah, we're yeah like, like, I got this, you know? And even this year, I have to say it's pretty incredible. I have seen myself as an empowered woman, as a capable woman, as an independent woman for decades. And yet, even in the last, I would say, 12 to 18 months, what I have moved through and moved through with a certain, like I said, element of grace and ease about it and finesse, I could almost say, has really shown me that, my goodness, like those walls of expansion can continue to move out where I was like, wow, girl, like you did that in a whole new way. Like, and so it's kind of fun to be with like my future self, my elder self, my younger versions of myself and my current self and have this conversation of like reflecting and looking and like, wow, look at that. So you are really, really capable. You can feel pretty assured that whatever happens, there is going to be a solution that you can find and you will have the wherewithal to see that through. That is beautiful. That is wisdom. That is stuff that happens over time. And what, what I'm hearing that is so incredible about what you're saying is that you're acknowledging that your story of trauma and repeated trauma is normative, is the norm, which is such tragedy that like trauma is a story of woman, but that you really seem to have transcended it, Melanie. I'm going to say yes and no, like, because in a way it sounds like I'm at the end point and there is no end point. Yeah. But I, I absolutely feel what you're saying is that I'm not as pulled into the quagmire, which is why I said, you know, dancing in the caca as opposed to being subsumed by. I'm not completely taken down in it. And that I would 
agree with. And I want to be very, very clear when I say my community, I don't just mean my friends and my family. I'm talking about, I have a whole like range of people that are my support systems now from my very, very good friends to I do energy work. I have an acupuncturist. I have a coach, right? Like I have my yoga teachers. I have my mentors. Like there's a whole like lineage and a whole uh, community that I call on as a student, as a mentee, as someone who's learning. And so when you said that you felt so flattered by me saying that to you, I, I, I had this momentary giggled because I devoted myself to this exchange 25 years ago where I was like, I always want to be moving between student and teacher, mentor and mentee, and constantly giving back and receiving so that there really is no hierarchy, that we're constantly role modeling for each other, that we're constantly sharing, we're you know, rising up together. And that commitment, I see just how over and over again that I get to stay in that. And it's just so beautiful. I mean, from you saying that to me going, well, I, I love watching you. You're a role model to me, right? And having students from 15 years ago now send me you know, emails saying, oh my God, as an 18 year old, you changed my life and I'm doing this and yet seeing them and seeing them on, you know, is no different than me. I mean, as I say, my acupuncturist, my hairdresser are my former students. I have, you yeah. know, worked on grants and projects with former students and colleagues. And so I just, I, I love breaking down that hierarchy of power that it just doesn't exist, that we're all really together. Mm -hmm. And if we can begin to see each other that, in that way, and I mean, really see each other, right? Even when I said, I loved, you know, your intro and I was making these comments to you, it's like there's something about taking the time that I do every, way, every day to really, really see other women, whether mm -hmm. it's just holding their gaze for a moment and affirming them when I walk by them to making some comment, but it's really important for us all to be seen and to be doing this for each other consistently. I, agree I know that was you. a long segue. I hope that fit. <laughs> oh, we are all good. Okay. I'm not touching that. Nope. There ain't no editor on this team. Okay. Um, so... I love that. I am completely on that train a thousand percent. Um, and what you're talking about in terms of being in community and being community and women being in community really leads me to into, it is a perfect segue because my question is about, I've been observing that brave warrior women, and I agree with you that every single woman has warrior energy where we all have access to it. It's about that spark is there and it's about accessing it. But I'd love to know who are some warrior women you know who have gone through some absolute caca and they've come out on the other side, perhaps women who've been inspirational to you on your journey, who would be incredible guests on this particular podcast? Well, I would literally have to sit down and make a list because <laughs> yeah, sure. I know everyone I know. Yes, because pretty much everyone I know. And I and that's and that's not taking the easy way out of the question. It's like truly I'm inspired by every woman that I have the opportunity to really have an elevated conversation with and meet. Um, I will admittedly um, state that there was a point in my life where, you know, I had my own judgments about women that were so ingrained in me by virtue of living in a patriarchy in which we were told we should compare and compete and there's not enough. And, you know, I, I unraveled that for a very long time in my life. And uh, I remember when I had my son and I was pushing him in a stroller and I would walked to this one part of town where I would have maybe had certain judgments about the women pushing their babies in their strollers about them fill in the blank. And all I could see was like, oh, sister, like, I know you got a story. I know you got a story that I really started to break these things down even more 
because the process of uh, being pregnant and having uh, an unplanned C-section, a very sort of traumatic birth, and then having postpartum depression, so there's another story, and trying to figure out how the hell do you breastfeed, right? All of that really made me look at all mothers, like, in a new way, and, and, and just really feeling so deeply connected to everyone's story, which is why I know for a fact that starting in 2011 is when I started a series of anthologies. The first one was Yoga and Body Image, then Yoga Rising, the Embodied Resilience comes out next year, and it certainly features not just women, but it features primarily women, because I'm like, people's individual stories, the power of the personal narrative has the ability to not only serve as a catalyst in the life of the person who has the opportunity to write and then share their story, but for the people who receive the story. And so I really like to take the time with women of every age, every race and ethnicity to have a conversation that gives me some insight into them because I I can see their warrior spirit and it's like, oh, there's another story that needs to be told. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's another story that needs to be told. And in fact, in gender women's studies classes, one of the things I've had my students do is do an oral history where they have to interview a woman 55 and over, especially because, you know, in our culture, somehow once you hit 29 or 35, you're not as valuable anymore. And I want these stories, especially of our elders, and I'm talking about our collective elders, to be known because there's so much wisdom, there's so much strength. And if we know that they have gone through fill in the blank, it just makes us so much stronger. So I can give you a whole roster, but I invite everybody who's listening to begin to see beyond really, you know, the, the outer appearance of any person and think about what's their story. Mm-hmm. What's the power of their story and really take the time to begin to listen for that story and honor that story. Yeah, and I'm going to join that challenge and very democratically say that anyone who's listening to this podcast, an invitation, an open invitation to share your story and get to, get in touch with me, which isn't hard to do. But Melanie, I'll, I'll grill you about your Rolodex later. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm so, so happy to share. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So this is, so here's the real essence here. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. What is a piece of advice, maybe to that you would give to women who are listening right now, who are in the midst of caca, they're in the midst of trauma, they're in the thick of it, and they're looking for inspiration and hope. What is something that you would say to them about how to get to that other side? Nikki asks the tough questions because anyone who asks me to distill anything, <laughs> I'm like, let me give you a book. You got <laughs> a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is, um, I mean, there's so many different answers. It really depends on the context. But I would say what I shared about that moment of starting to understand it wasn't inherently me that was wrong or problematic, but it was the system, is to take that phrase, you are not alone. Oh, you hear that a lot. You have to know you're not alone. But I want to politicize that idea of you are not alone. I really want women or anyone who is struggling to understand that what they're experiencing, whatever trauma or challenge in their experience is part of a larger matrix Mm-hmm. And for me, the power is in not only beginning to, you know, reach out and as an individual heal, but begin to go into collective action so that less people ever get to that point in the first place. So while we individually heal and transform, we have the ability to really have an impact on the collective. And that's been the other sort of essence of my work is like, when we're healing ourselves, we heal all of us. When we empower ourselves, we empower everyone. 
and that our mission to transform is really for that collective liberation. And I think that when we can anchor into service and a much bigger picture, it's much easier sometimes to come out of that quagmire. So I have so much to say about this. What I will say is that this podcast and the women who've been on it are living proof of, I mean, you were talking about the, the, the normativeness of trauma and being a woman. I think another part of being a woman is an instinct to reach out to the collective because just about every guest who's been on this podcast, who's been through something or more than one somethings that are traumatic have then turned around and have made it either their personal mission, their professional mm -hmm. mission, or both to then turn around and help women go through either the same thing, something similar, and to pay it forward. I truly think that it is, oh, it is wired into the matriarchy, which isn't to totally exclude men from this phenomenon, but it's just there. It's just true. It's the, it's the story of my my business and my life mission as well. I'm going to try to say something that's within one minute on that, <laughs> if I may. But um, yes, I absolutely feel you. And at the same time, right, if we're looking at conversations around gender, sometimes people are like, oh, the idea that it's biologically innate with us or, you know, mm -hmm. can seem sort of essentialistic, which I get. And yet, as a sociologist, what I want to point out is notions of femininity, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a woman, these are patterned messages that we get, right? And yes. it is true that we have learned and we've been taught that we should be caretakers, we should do emotional work, oftentimes to our detriment where we martyr ourselves, right? And yet we can kind of, you know, have a long conversation of is it learned, is it innate? Maybe it's somewhere lies in the middle. And yet it is true globally, I've taught classes on global uh, women's social movements, because the way women have been positioned in the culture, most women have taken the action of creating social change, right? Even we see that with Black Lives Matter, right? It's like women are at the forefront of these movements because they oftentimes have a much larger picture. They have a larger vision of the future that mm -hmm. has to do with specifically raising new generations of citizens and what that means for, you know, our stewardship of the planet, of our resources, of, you know, fill in the blank. And so, Yes, there are, there's a long lineage globally of women that goes back that have really stood in their truth and have been firmly committed to social change because they understand that not only our lives depend on it, right, but the planet which sustains us depends on it. And yeah. so for us to continue thriving, we have to begin to see things in this very interconnected way as opposed to this, you know, very linear, mutually exclusive way that we've learned in patriarchy and other dominator cultures. It's like we are actually integrated into a larger fabric of existence, which is very much been led by women. This conversation could continue for so long. I am enjoying it so much. And I love that you are questioning the origins, the patterns, and questioning just the very everything of what we're talking about here. Um, because I can say that I'm seeing a pattern and it's, that it's observable and it's great and it doesn't mean that it's not there, but in terms of what the origin of it is and where it comes from yeah. and, and where, it, where it can head in the future, not to take for granted and not to sort of assume that, well, that's the pattern and that's the way it should be. So, And I can say one last thing. I promise 10 seconds. Okay, toss in your heads. Yeah, the new issue of GQ just came out, which I storied. Um, which is on looking at new definitions of masculinity and Pharrell 
is on the cover in this amazing, like, I don't know, puffy jacket dress. And it's really helpful. I just want to say that, you know, when we're talking about patriarchy, this is harmful to men as well. And we're looking to have new opportunities and expanded notion of what it means to be a woman, femininity, but also men and masculinity so that we really have an opportunity to be our greatest, most authentic and liberated selves. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for that cover. Looking for it. So, all right, here we are. Melanie, thank you so much for being my guest today. Where can we find you online? I am all over the place, but uh, my preferred domain is Instagram. If people want to find me at Mel Mel Klein, M-E-L-M-E-L-K-L-E-I-N. And then my link tree to everything else is there. So I would love to see you there. Um, my website is there and um, such an honor, Nikki. And again, yeah, we could talk forever. I say dinner and a drink. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we live in the same city. We can make it happen. Yes. This is Nikki Bruno with the one and only Melanie Klein, who is this particular Melanie Klein with the Epic Comeback Podcast. For more great ideas on staging an epic comeback in your life after one or more life-shattering experiences, please go to theepiccomeback.com.